Father, we just thank you once again, O Lord. Once again, we just want to come to your throne room of grace. O Lord, you're a good God. Your mercy and yours forever. This morning, O Lord, once again, Lord, we come to you. We ask you, Father, to speak to our hearts. Even as we meditate upon your word, anoint all of us, O Lord, in the speaking and in the hearing. And Lord, wash us and sanctify us a little more by the washing of water by the word that our minds will be transformed. Father, that we will not conform to the pattern of the world, but we will be transformed by the renewing of the mind. That we may know what is the good acceptable. And we'll just not be satisfied with the good and the acceptable, but we'll press on towards the perfect will of God for our lives. So Lord, to that end, I pray that you would, Lord, bless, Lord, the meditation of today's word. Come at all of us here and all around who are listening, O oh Lord, into your hands. Speak to us, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, uh, the ultimate purpose of um, redemption is to make us into worshippers. Yeah, worshippers, of course, not just singing um, or what we do on Sunday morning or every day that we do for the first half an hour. It's more than that, we know it. Uh, so this morning, if you, before, uh, we'll study from uh, different places in scripture. Before we want to go to the meat or today's word, we'll look at John's Gospel chapter 4 and verse 19 onwards. John's Gospel chapter 4 verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. So this is the woman at the well. Yeah. And, um, Ultimately, that's where Eliasa met Rebecca at the well. And the whole purpose of, uh, uh, of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to make us into true worshippers is what, uh, this passage will talk about. Look at what it says. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to a woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. He's obviously talking about the physical Jerusalem. Remember yesterday we looked at uh, Jerusalem that is from above. There is no light because the Lord is the light. There is no temple for the Lord is the temple. Okay, that is what we are heading towards. So you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation as a Jews. And verse 23 but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. That's what God is seeking for. True worshippers who will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Not God only, it's the Father. And the Father is seeking those kinds of worship. And we will worship just not through our soul or even through our strength in our mind or in our strength, with our strength, but in our spirit. The whole purpose of redemption is that God would make us into true worshippers. And here, of course, the word for worship is from the Greek word proskaneo, which means to revere, literally fall at his feet prostrate. Okay, that kind of worship. If you look at the Bible, we have 
two kinds of worship. I mean, one is which is what we call as proskaneo, and the other is latria, which means to serve him. Okay, uh, that's exactly the reason why uh, Jesus says in John's Gospel, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter uh, 4, if I'm right, Matthew chapter 4, and uh, read verse 5, if I'm right, 5 or 6. Then the devil took him up to the city. Oh, sorry. Uh, 7, maybe, yeah. Where he says, thou shalt... Yeah, 8, 8, verse 8. Again, the devil took him on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of this world and their glory. And verse 9, and Jesus said to them, all these things I will give to you. And he said to them, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and what? Worship me. Okay, that is proskenoyomi. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God. That means you revere him and prostrate before him and him only you shall serve, which is latria, which is service. That is the reason why he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the what of God? By the mercies of God, that you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable act of worship or service or latria. So worship is both our attitude of reverence before God, okay, of fear and of 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 uh, really giving Him the glory that is due Him, and the attitude of serving Him both. And that's exactly what uh, God has done uh, in all of us. Uh, that we will just not worship Him because we are forced to worship. We will worship Him because we have been born again in the in the, in that we have understood that we are a people who are such tremendous recipients of His mercy that we it's natural for us now to worship Him. For example, if you turn with me to Romans chapter five, uh, verse um, verse ten onwards. And 10 and 11, that's enough. 10 and 11. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, we also rejoice in God. You know the word for rejoice is the word to boast in God. Boast in our in our God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. Meaning, this is the time where we are so much occupied. Every time we say, oh, glory be to God. We have no other person that we will talk about other than God. Our entire conversation is about Him and Him alone. Have you seen that? When we Remember when we were first born again and we when we came to the Lord, all we could talk about, this is what He did. Glory to God. God, 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 all the time boasting. Boasting in God, boasting in God. If you turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 3 verse 27, look at what happens. Huh? It says, where is boasting? Uh, we don't boast in ourselves anymore. It is excluded by what law? Of works? No. By the law of faith. And therefore it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 onwards, look at what it says, 26 to 31. Mm. For you see your calling brothers, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world, etc. And verse 29, that no flesh should boast in his presence. And verse 31, that as it is written, he who boasts, let him boast where? In the Lord. Our entire focus will change. We begin to boast in God. 
Oh, he did that for me. He did that for me. You know, remember what, you know what God did for me? This is what he did for me because we have been so transformed. We have become so aware of, of, the, of the fact that we are recipients of his mercy that we begin only to worship and worship. That is what ultimate freedom is. True freedom, true redemption. And verse 30 of the same chapter will say, Okay, 30 and 31 together, let's see. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who has became for us what? Wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that when we are redeemed, what we do? We only begin to boast and boast and boast. That is our ultimate freedom. Ultimate freedom is when our entire conversation, our lifestyle is totally, totally focused around God. We begin to put God first in our lives. And that's exactly what happened even to the Ephesian church. He said, the church at Ephesus, he says, once upon a time I know how you loved me. Now you've lost your first love. Yes, all this is good. But one thing, you've fallen from that state that you had before. What was that state? Of state of boasting and boasting and boasting only in me. That love that you had for me. You know what he did for me? You know what he did? You know, that's what happens, right? When we, when husband and wife, when, when, uh, really the wife loves the husband, all that she can talk about is her husband. You know, you know, you know what? That's exactly what happens to the Samaritan woman. Come and see the man who told me all that I did. Could this be the Messiah? Boasting. Ultimately, her entire life changes and she begins to not focus on her own self or on her own problems. Her entire attention moves away from her problems and her situation and her sin onto the one who has forgiven her sin. That's what Zachariah says in Luke's Gospel chapter 1, verse 68 onwards. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Okay, he has visited his people and he has redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David. And what happened? As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. And verse 72, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we... Being delivered from the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear. How? In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. That is the ultimate purpose of redemption. Never forget that. Why are we being redeemed? That we will serve him without fear in holiness, in righteousness before him all the days of our life. To make us into worshippers who will just not prostrate before our God, but we will also serve Him. You see, prostration means only for a few days, few hours we can be prostrate. Okay. For example, uh, what we do on Sunday morning is proskeneo. Okay. We worship Him. Some people kneel down. Some people fall on their face. We can do. You are all free to do whatever you want in the presence of the Lord as long as you are not distracting people's attention from God. Okay. You are free to do whatever you want to do. You can stay stoic. And be unmoved and still worship from your heart. Okay, no problem. And some people are exuberant and lots of kinds of different uh, kinds of people are there. That is what we call as proskaneo. That is only for half an hour. We don't do that for the rest of the week, do we? Okay, that is what we call as ativinayam. Ativinayam, what lakshanam? Durta lakshanam. Okay, so <laughs> after that we go back to our to our works or to our to our offices, to our colleges, to our universities. Of course, now we don't have any other place to go. So what we do, we start serving him now. 
And how do we serve him? Without fear. And how do we serve him in holiness though? We don't fear men. Okay. And we, but we do, do definitely fear God. And therefore when we serve him, we serve him acceptably. That is in holiness and in righteousness. What does holiness means? As if we are absolutely set apart for God. In righteousness means we do our service in the ways of God. How long? All the days of our life. That is ultimate freedom. Okay. That is to where God is leading all of us progressively, progressively, every day of our lives. Why? Verse 12 and, uh, sorry, chapter 12 of, uh, and verse 28 of Hebrews. Chapter 12 and verse 28 of Hebrews. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, what shall we do? Let us have grace first. So that we can what? Serve God. The word is latria. Serve God. How? Acceptably and with reverence and with godly fear. For, verse 29, our God is a consuming fire. Okay, so because we are receiving a kingdom that we have, uh, that we have, uh, that we have, that is not, not going to be shaken, what should we have? We should have grace. Let us not fall away from grace. Okay. Let us keep it, uh, make uh, a diligent effort not to fall away from grace. Okay. So in order to do that, consistently, constantly, every day of our lives, acceptably to God, first of all, what does it say? Romans chapter 12, if you can uh, read it from NIV, it's great. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your spiritual act of worship. And he says, do not be conformed. Any longer to the pattern of this world. There's a set pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know how to worship and serve God acceptably. Like, you know, David was all excited. He was bringing the Ark of the Covenant before God, uh, to Jerusalem. And he was so excited, but he was doing it in the ways of the Egyptians. Is there any wrong with his heart? Was Was his heart right with God? Absolutely. But was he doing it in the ways of God? No. So he goes back in First Chronicles chapter 14, you don't have to turn there, where he says, priests, we were supposed to do it this way. So then he begins to understand God's ways and therefore he begins to serve him acceptably in the ways of God. So ultimate and the whole purpose of redemption is to set us free to worship God and to serve God. Not in our ways, but in the way that he, he has ordained for us. In spirit and in truth, any other way is unacceptable to But the world does not understand this. Satan hates it. Our flesh also doesn't like it. So what we do, we kind of uh, uh, use worldly methods to hmm, worship, but actually it's more of entertainment, not worship. So this morning... We will look at the f- how we should begin, how we, I mean, there's a Old Testament pattern as to how God redeems us. How does He do that? What is the whole purpose of, of, of salvation? Is to redeem us so that we are free to 
worship him. Alright, that is what the whole idea of salvation is. Right? To release us. And we look at Old Testament patterns. All scripture is God breathed and Old Testament especially is given to us. And especially the children of Israel in the wilderness. Because they are our pattern. Right? So yesterday we looked at uh, Moses. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 4 and let's read the last two verses, three verses. Exodus chapter 4 and the last three verses. It says, Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites. Verse 29 onwards, okay? And Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed his signs before the people. And they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them, and that he had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. That is worship before redemption. Still not, they are totally not free. Okay, as they say in uh, in Telugu, Mundundi Musala Pandaga. Now it is going to happen. Now this is going to is going to start. It's not going to be easy. This is not going to be an easy task. But how does God achieve it? Okay, so we said yesterday, right? What is the gospel? Gospel is first. We are sent to who? The ruler of this world, to Pharaoh. So now it is going to start. How how the world system looks at worship. How different it is. You will see the attitude, the, the, the demonic spirit behind the whole world system. How it is completely antithetical to God and its ways, and his ways. So we'll start reading from Exodus chapter 5 onwards. Okay. 5 verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Let's stop right there. So what was Moses saying? Release my people first. That is people of God. God was saying through Moses. Second, so that they may hold a feast to him. Second. Third, in the wilderness. Three things. The first thing he says is, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me. And third, in the wilderness. See, that's what he said, right? Redemption means what? To be set free to worship God. Isn't it interesting? He says, hold a feast, a celebration. Do you work when you are celebrating? No. (laughs) You celebrate. Isn't it amazing? That is how God looks at salvation. Salvation is first we enter into a celebration. That is true worship. When the prodigal son returns, you know what the father says? Let's celebrate first. He did not demand anything from the son. He did not go and, he did not say, go and work in the field. How dare you disobey me and you ask for the property? Look at what happened to you now. Nothing. Go to the stable. (laughs) 
at least that is better than the uh, pig's uh, whatever stable. Uh, it's better than the pig's pen. Go to the stable. Feed the horses, maybe. I don't know. Learn your lesson, you fellow. No. There was a celebration. The son might have got stunned. I mean, what did he expect? Okay. He was rehearsing his lines. I will go to my father and say, Father, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Okay. Make me like one of your daily labor workers, at least. So that I might work and might prove my repentance to you. I think the father looked at him and he said, bring the robe. Okay. Bring the, bring the sandals. Bring the ring. Get the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let us have a celebration. He was convinced that he would punish him. <laughs> Put him in the field to do some work. And after maybe the father has examined him in his service, maybe then he would say, okay, fine, no, okay, it's okay. No, nothing of that's what happened. Do you know how different our God is from this world? From the gods of this world? All the gods of this world demand performance. Then they will say we will celebrate. God says no. Let us have a celebration first. You don't, then once we have a celebration, you don't need to perform. See, everywhere, no? What are the actors always looking for? How is my performance? Huh? How did I perform? How did you perform in the exam? The whole world is looking for performance. Especially uh, if you are an actor, your performance, you are actually pretending. You are not living your life. You are pretending to be somebody else. That's exactly what it is. We are all people who are performing to gain approval. And God says, let us celebrate first so that you don't need to perform. You don't need to pretend. You don't have to show what you are not. That's what the gods of this world demand. Performance. That is the reason why, you know what David will say in Psalm 16, Lord, you are my God. My goodness is nothing apart from you. Okay, my goodness will not extend unto you. What a psalm it is. What a revelation. Okay, one of the things that God does not want from us is performance. Okay, he wants life. Jesus did not perform before the Father. He lived before the Father. The Pharisees were performing. But Jesus was not performing. The Pharisees went to the temple and he said, he said, Lord, look at my performance. Okay. I am not like this guy. No, no. He says, I thank you, God. Oh yeah, okay. I thank you, God, that I am not like other men. I fast, I do this. Look at my performance and grant me. That is religion. Religion is performance. That's the reason why I believe actor's life is such a miserable life. That they have to be what they are not. Okay. And if they try to become natural, they'll go crazy. And they'll hang themselves. You know that? That's exactly what happened to Joker. Christopher Nolan made that movie, Dark Knight. Huh? Yeah, and Heath Ledger, yeah? That fellow went into the character. And he, he died and he committed suicide. 
He couldn't just bear it. I mean, I know, it was too much for him to handle. A lot of people do it. Because they're performing. They're doing something which we're not made to do. But the moment we begin to set, when once we, uh, you know what God does first? First he says, let's, let's have a celebration. What is celebration? You don't have to perform. I've accepted you the way you are. The moment I've seen your repentance, the moment I've seen your penitent heart, I who started it, even the repentance that I gave you was not your own. It was I who started that act of repentance inside of you. It was the Holy Spirit who was poured upon, which was poured upon the Gentile church and the, 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 uh, on the Gentiles, right? That's exactly the reason why when Peter is giving his testimony about his uh, his uh, his meeting at Cornelius's place to the Jewish church, you know what they say? Oh, God has visited the Gentiles in granting them what? Repentance. Even the repentance that you have is not your own. It is something which I started. That is the reason why. It's godly sorrow which leads us to repentance. It's not worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow only leads what? Regret. How was my performance? Let that not be the question, my dear brothers. Once, first you know what he says? He has already accepted us in his beloved. You are good. You don't have to perform. That's what happened. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when they disobeyed God, they, from that day onwards, they began to perform. Began to perform, like try to act what they were not. Okay. But imagine what would have happened to this guy, you know. He's stunned by the response of his father. Stunned. He would never even thought that father would respond this way. Now just imagine now how he'd, how his attitude toward his father would change. Just imagine now the father says, okay, but better. Now you're my son. Go to the factory and maybe you can take over one of my businesses. How would he work now? You trust me, dad? Yeah. Look at what it says in there. I think uh, Paul was stunned by this actually. Look at what he says in 1st Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Onwards, okay. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me. Isn't it interesting? First he what? Enabled. Then he counted me faithful. Putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, I into the ministry, a guy who killed his church, his people, and I, the, the, I am the person who murdered Stephen. I was the one who did it. He put me into the ministry. He stunned. He stunned. A persecutor. I was a blasphemer, a persecutor and an insolent man. What is insolent? We know what insolence is, right? Proud, conceited, arrogant. I think that's that's exactly what the pharisaical spirit is. A religious spirit is one of the most dangerous spirit. It makes you proud. It makes you think that you're better than the others. It makes you look down upon others. But when he saw, like pastor said, right? When he saw Stephen, he said, boy, this guy, he knows God. And from that time onwards, you know, it was hard for him to kick against the goods. And then he comes to his senses when God gives him, uh, you know, the, the 
the chance or other the he calls him into the ministry is stunned i obtained mercy because i did it ignorantly and unbelief that he counted me faithful who was a blasphemer and an insolent person that's why he says in first corinthians chapter 15 look at what it says in verse from verse 8 onwards hmm then at last he was also seen by me as one born out of due time for i am least of all the apostles who am not even worthy to be called an apostle because i persecuted the church but then he was look at what he says but the grace of god by the grace of god i am what i am and the grace of god toward me was not in vain but i labored more abundantly than they not to no i did not perform what did i do i labored i was not I, w- i was doing it because it was god who was working through me i was a recipient of god's mercy and i said lord i am going to give you my best that is the reason why he who is forgiven much loves much you know what god says okay let my people go so that we can have a celebration celebration once we start a celebration with god will never have to perform our lifestyle will change so where are we going to hold this feast <laughs> not in egypt <laughs> sorry not in egypt boss away from egypt away from the influences of this world at a place and in the way that god wants us to hold the feast because we hold a feast not to us to him see our repentance has to be acceptable to him that is the reason why he says when one sinner repents the what, what where where is the rejoicing there is great rejoicing in heaven over one sinner why because he is turning toward god that is the reason why it says in hebrews chapter 6 he says it is repentance from dead works and faith towards god so everything is toward him right so our celebration our our feast is for him not for our own selves yes we are enjoying together with him actually the word for feast you know what it is it means to dance around a particular thing you know like our our uh, people from other religions know that they, they put something like this uh, some kind of an object and in the center of their object they dance around the object it's something like that here is like god at the center and we are just celebrating with him that's what a feast means So what does Pharaoh say? Let's go back to Exodus chapter five, <laughs> verses one and two. So afterward, Moses and Aaron, Aaron went in and told Pharaoh. Thus says the Lord. By the way, the, the word Pharaoh means a house, a large house. Okay, large house means a large prison, basically. Okay, that's what it means. Hmm? Thus says the Lord God of Israel: Let my people go. that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness and was to pharaoh said who's the lord that should that that i should obey his voice to let israel go i do not know the lord nor will i let israel go it's an answer of defiance who's the lord that i should obey him i don't know him Who's my boss? Who is he to ask me what to do? It all comes from Satan. 
I don't know him. Yeah. That's what happens, you know, when two gundas, mohalla mein do gunde hai. One small gunda and one big gunda. Okay. Of course, I'm just giving you an example. No. <laughs> and who corner ho? It's defiance. It's a defiant spirit. Right from the beginning, that was a question that even Satan asked to man, asked man, who's this God that we should obey? Did he really say? But of course he stated it in a very different way. Should we really take him so seriously? How can he be God if he's so conservative? <laughs> Why is he taking away freedom to do whatever you want to do? That's why rebellion is such a dangerous sin. Because it takes you into the realm of Satan, which is witchcraft. Stubbornness. Defiance. Who is the Lord? That means, I don't have a Lord over my life. I am the Lord of my life. Psalm 12 verse 4. <clears throat> Psalm 12 verse 4. Who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Who is Lord? I don't know him. Really? <laughs> Romans chapter 1 verse 21 onwards. 21, 21 and 22, that's enough. Because although they knew God, ah, <laughs> they did not what? Glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 15. And what did they do? Oh, 3 5, sorry, not 15, 3 5, not 15. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 5. For this they are willfully, uh, as, are you in, uh, NK, uh, can you put in KJV please if you don't mind? Second Peter chapter 3 verse 5. For they, for this they are willingly are ignorant. Willingly ignorant. I don't know him. Main nahi janta. Kisi bhagwan ko main nahi janta. Okay. Sometimes your bosses also act like that, right? Oh, we have some meetings. Pastor, sir, can we just give okay. What meeting? <laughs> okay, I'm just... <laughs> and then they're going to go back, go back to Romans chapter 1 verse 32. Look at what it says. Romans chapter 1 verse 32. Okay. Who knowing what? The righteous judgment of God. That those who practice such things are deserving to die. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. They know it. They know exactly what they're doing. But it's a spirit of defiance. They're defiant. That's a spirit of Pharaoh. I don't know him. I don't know God. You know, God only laughs. <laughs> Psalm 2. You know this very well. Psalm 2 verses 1 to 6. Hmm. Why do the nations rage or heathen rage? Yeah. And the people plot a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against who? Against the Lord and against 
his anointed. Of course, now, now his anointed is already gone and seated at the right hand of the father. But who is his anointed now? The church. What do they do? Saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast off their cards from us, uh, cards from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. He laughs. He laughs. And you know what the Lord said? He, the Lord shall hold them in derision. And what happens? Next verse. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. He said his king. Okay. He said his king. Therefore, recognize the spirit of Pharaoh. Where? Even in our own lives. That is the reason why he says, let every one of you be what? Clothed with humility. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Clothe yourself. Submit to one another. The spirit of submission. Not what is God looking for? Let us turn to First Peter chapter 3 please. First Peter chapter 3. You know this very well. But we will look at it once again. So many things we can learn from this uh, from these, uh, from this chapter, but anyways, let us read from verse 3, sorry, uh, yeah, uh, verse 4, verse 4, let your, let your, uh, can you, can you have the ESV, if you don't mind, yeah, ESV on, verse 4, ESV on, do not let your adorning be the external, the braiding of the hair, the wearing of the gold, or the putting of clothing, but let your adorning be what, the hidden person of the heart, the imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which in the sight of God is very precious. For in this, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands and we also adorn ourselves with humility by submitting to our heavenly husband. And we say, as Sarah, Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him, Lord, Adonai. Hmm. That's what Sarah called Abraham, Adonai. Of course, we don't have women calling us Adonais anymore, but that's okay. Uh, but uh, that's the that's the first time the word Adonai comes uh, in the Bible. Uh, it is uh, when Sarah calls Abraham Lord. Okay, interesting. So, uh, so clothe yourselves in humility. Ask God for this for these days, Lord. I want to humble myself. I don't want to have the spirit of Pharaoh in me. I don't want to say who is the Lord. Okay. In, every, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Okay. okay. In all your play, play, uh, plans, in everything that we do for God, let him be first. Let there be no rebellion or the spirit of rebellion find in us, be found in us. Let's go back now. To Exodus chapter 5. Verses 1 to 3 now. Afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Let my people go. That they may hold a fast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice. To let Israel go. I do not know the Lord. Nor will I let Israel go. So they said. Now it's very, very interesting. First he says, the Lord God of Israel. Now he says, the God of the Hebrews. Has 
met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God. Lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And verse 4. And the king of Egypt said to him, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. Can we have verses 3 and 4 together? Isn't it interesting? The first part he says, let us what? Let my people go so that they may hold a fast. Where? In the wilderness. Now, something more is given. The details, so beautiful, the details over here. He says, the God of the Hebrews. Who are the Hebrews? The people from the other side of the river. Has met with us. And he says, please let us take, how many days journey? A three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said to him, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. How many days journey? Three days journey. A three day journey from where to where? From labor to rest. Right? It's a three-day journey, my dear brothers, that Jesus himself took. From the cross to the grave. Defeating sin, defeating death, and every power of darkness that held us captive. And on the third day, he rose. He was the one who took the sword of God. And the pestilence from God upon himself. The pestilences that were supposed to inflict us inflicted him. Matthew chapter 8 verse 16 and 17. Matthew chapter 8 verse 16 and 17. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, He himself took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. How did he do it, Baba? How did he do it? Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 onwards. 4 to 6. Okay. Surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. And then verse 6, and we like sheep have gone astray. We we have turned everyone to his own way. That is rebellion. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. A three day journey so that we can sacrifice to the Lord by acknowledging the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Lest the pestilence of God and the soul of God fall upon us. Three day journey from labor to rest. It was a three day journey that my savior took for my sin. So that the wrath of God, the sword of God, the diseases from God would not fall upon me. Oh, it was on the cross, at the cross. That he devoted his sacred head. 
for such a worm as I. That is the reason why the cross is such amazing, amazing. It was at the cross where mercy and truth kissed each other. 8510 Psalm. Yeah, show it please. No other book has got 85 chapters, so Psalm 8510, okay? When I say 8510, you should say Psalm 8510, right? Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. So when we are going into the desert to offer sacrifice, whatever they're going, they were going outside the gate, outside the camp, because he went outside the camp bearing our reproach. They were acknowledging that Jesus was the one who was sacrificed for our sin on the cross. A three-day journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to her, sacrifice to him, and lest he what fall upon us. You know what he start, what he was telling? If we stay here, Pharaoh, he will fall upon us. Meaning, he will fall upon you also. The whole world is under judgment, my dear brothers. He became sin and gave me his righteousness. He became curse and he. Blessed me with the spirit. He became poor. And made me enjoy the riches of his grace. It's a three day journey. From labor. Under the bondage of sin. To rest. Under the son of God. That's the reason why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. What does he say? In verses 28 and 29. <laughs> Everybody knows it. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will continue to find rest for your souls. A three day journey. Isn't it amazing that every part of scripture talks about the cross? Only have to see it and we will find Jesus writ large in every page of scripture. But Pharaoh hates that. So what does Pharaoh do? Let's go back to Exodus chapter 5. Let's read 3, 4 onwards now. Yeah. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. You see that? From there, work, get back to your labor. From their work. That's what religion does. Work and work and work and work and labor and labor. And finally, maybe God will accept you. You know, one of the most uh, famous religions in this world is, you know, after Christianity, yeah, the, one of the Abrahamic faiths. If you want to call it, not Abrahamic faith, I'm sorry. It's a wrong word. It's uh, one of the faiths which is very famous. They do not believe that Jesus died on the cross. If Jesus has not died on the cross, what hope do you have? So what do they do? They have to labor and labor and labor and labor. After all this labor, are you sure? No. Maybe. How different Christianity is. How different our God is. Labor and work. Work and labor. And then he says, look at what it says, next verse. Verse 5. 
And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now. And you make them what? Ah, rest from their labor. What is the gospel going to do? Rest from your labor. That is the reason why the the writer of Hebrews says, labor (laughs) to enter into that rest. For whoever has entered into God's rest has rested from what? His own works. Works trying to please God. The theme of rest is writ large in scripture. Three day journey. From labor to rest we all have to take. And we have all taken. People who have accepted Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, we have taken the three-day journey from labor to rest. And of course, after, you know, we keep on hearing that 2,000 years are over and we are going to enter into the third day. Hmm? And we will be resting from all our labors now. Now, now, this is not labor from that rest. If we are going to enjoy rest in the presence of God because now we have labored for Him. Now, we didn't perform for Him. We loved Him. And it's no longer labor for us. It's like what? Like like uh, Jacob for uh, Rachel, right? Seven years were like what? Few days because of his tremendous love he had for Rachel. Look, the people of the land are many now and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, what did they say? You shall no longer give people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves and you shall lay on them the quota of the bricks which are, which are, which they made before. You shall not reduce it for they are what? Idle. Therefore they cry out saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Verse 9. <laughs> let more work be laid on them that they may labor in it and let them not regard False words. No, so many things we can learn from here, no? But one of the things we I have observed, no? Whenever a believer gets converted in a family, okay, and especially when it's a non-believing family, okay, one guy gets converted and he's on fire for God. Suddenly, all the other people become very religious. You know that? Have you noticed it? Suddenly, all the other people in the family gets very religious. Very, very religious they become. Anyway, so what happens? And verse 10, And the taskmaster of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Why? Because they are regarding false words. Verse 9. You see, you need to understand, we are living in that those days where literally the wrath of Pharaoh, okay, verse, Revelation chapter 12, let's read from verse, verses 10 onwards, okay. Which is the wrath of the devil, okay? Revelation chapter 12. Pharaoh knows that his time is up. So he gets into action. Okay, Pharaoh knows. See, Moses and Aaron, they, they have defied uh, Pharaoh, right? They came and bo- spoke boldly to Pharaoh. Now he already knows that his time is up. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 onwards. Yeah. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been 
cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the land, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. And it goes on to say in verse 12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that his he has a very short time. That's exactly what is happening here even to Pharaoh. Pharaoh knows that his time is very short. So what does he do? He employs the taskmasters, guess, taskmasters and say, to make the children of Israel. Now you'll see the taskmaster spirit over here. What is the spirit of the taskmaster? Let us go and see. Verse 10. Verse 10, verse 13 and verse 14. And the taskmaster of the people of, taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people saying, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Meaning, meaning it's got to become real hard work now, okay? Uh, impossible work rather. And then verse uh, 13. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry saying, fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there is no straw. And they, as, the, uh, as when there was straw. And verse 14. And the officers and the children of Israel, uh, whom fa- taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and asked. So the taskmasters are beating them and demanding them and doing all kinds of things with them. The, the dangerous spirit of the taskmaster, it's a demonic spirit. You know where you find the taskmaster spirit? To see whether we have a taskmaster spirit or not, we are only judging our hearts today. Turn with, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 15 and you will see where you have this taskmaster spirit and what does it mean in the new covenant. The taskmaster spirit. Let's, let's read from verse 1 onwards. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. Kya baat hai? Okay, remember the Lord's prayer? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us or those who are indebted to us. So at the end of seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. No, seven years, six years of creation is over. Six thousand years of creation is over. Seven thousand years is coming. So there's a year of release which is coming. Okay. And this is the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not, what? You know what the word for taskmaster is? In the Hebrew it is nagas. Okay. He shall not nagas it. (laughs) Require it. Of his neighbor or his brother because it is called the, whose release? The Lord's release. Okay. That the taskmaster spirit is over here. Now we need to, this is such a, such an important Concept. Let us read it. Let's move on. Okay, of a foreigner, you may require it. Let's. But you shall give up your claim to what is owed by your brother. Okay. Forget about the foreigner. But you shall give up your claim to what is owed by your brother, except when there is there be no poor among you. For the Lord will greatly bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance. But look at next next verse. Only if you carefully obey the voice of the Lord your God. Uh, to observe with care all these commandments which I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over. We will come to the spiritual significance of that. Let us move on. 
if there is any any among you a poor man of your brethren within any of your gates in your land which the lord your god is giving you you shall not what harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother you shall be op- you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend to him sufficient for his need whatever he needs and look at the taskmaster spirit beware this is the taskmaster spirit there be a wicked thought in your heart saying oh the seventh year is coming the year of release is at hand and your eye be evil against your brother to give him nothing and he cry out to the Lord against you and it become a sin among you. And this is what is called as taskmaster spirit. What is a taskmaster spirit therefore? It is a spirit of unforgiveness. A spirit of unforgiveness. To exact All of us want forgiveness, right? All of us want forgiveness. Okay. You know what God says? You want forgiveness from me? Extend forgiveness to others. Otherwise you will be tormented by the taskmaster spirit. We want to be freed from the clutches of Satan to worship God. We want to be redeemed from labor and we want to enter into God's rest. We want to take this three-day journey into the wilderness to serve God, lest He fall upon us. One thing we all need to take care of, let there be no element of what? Unforgiveness in our heart. This is what we call as a taskmaster spirit. It's a spirit. A lot of us struggle with this in many ways. Very difficult for us to forgive others. And you know what? You will always have people. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 10 now. Hmm. Look at what it says. You shall surely give to him. Your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing the Lord will bless you in all your works and in all that which you had, which you put your hand in verse 11. Look at this. Verse 11 is powerful. For the poor will never cease from the land. In other words, there will always be people who will what? Offend you. Who will sin against you. Who There will always be people. Be careful therefore in any of your heart there be a spirit of the what? Of, of, of what master? The taskmaster. You shall open your hand wide to your brother. This is just not talking about uh, helping your brother who is in need. That is only, yes, we have to help our brother in need. But this is talking more than that. It is generosity. That is the reason in Romans chapter 12, Paul will say, do not render evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. For vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. What, so what, what, is, what should you do? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. So that in doing so, what are you going to do? You will pour out hot coals on his head. Over, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Deal with the taskmaster spirit if you want to be released from the clutches of Satan. From the power of Satan. 
Okay, let us turn now to Matthew chapter 18. We know this very well. And read from verse 32 onwards. 32 onwards. Actually, let's read from verse uh, 28 onwards. 28 onwards, okay. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. This fellow owned 10,000 talents. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you have, what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you. The same words he also uses again with his master. I have patience with me. I will pay you all. Can you ever pay God? What a, what a foolishness. Can we ever repay back God? All the wealth that we have. That's what it says. What can a man give in return for his soul? Turn with me to Psalm 49. I'll show you so many times, but once again I'll show you. Psalm 49. Right, Sam? Yes, sir. One of our favorite, most favorite Psalms on planet Earth. Okay. Turn to Psalm 49. Verse 7 onwards. None of them can by any means redeem his brother. Nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly, Gadu. It's costly means so expensive. That all the bank balances and the black money also that you have and the Swiss bank accounts in this world, even if you empty it, you cannot buy your salvation. For the redemption of their souls is costly and it shall, what? Cease forever. That, let's next verse, that verse 9, that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. You understand that? That it is impossible for a man to pay as a ransom for his It's impossible. So this guy goes to the master and says, have patience with me and I will pay you all. What can you pay? It's impossible. Ransom for your soul is absolutely expensive. You see the fallacy of religion that you can somehow think, but by doing a lot of works that you can buy your salvation. Okay, if it's not possible in this janma, janma janma. Impossible. Impossible. Your ransom is absolutely expensive. You know why you think that you can pay back God? Because you do not know God. Because you do not understand the holiness of God. You do not know how righteous He is. You do not know how sinless He is. You do not know that even a small iota of sin cannot stand in the presence of God. That is the reason why when Isaiah, when he goes into the temple, when he sees the holiness of God, he thought he was a great man. He was speaking woes on everybody. Oh, these people, woe that people, woe these people who mix strong drink. Oh, these people who call darkness light and light for darkness. Who oh, Woe these people who call bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, etc, etc, etc. And then he goes to the temple and he says, who is me? Who is me? That is what we call as an encounter with God. Who is me? For I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips first. He doesn't say, I dwell among a people of unclean No, 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 no. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people who are of unclean lips. Who is me? I am undone. What can happen to me? And then what happens? The angel takes the coal from the altar and it says, 
your iniquity has been purged and your sin has been atoned for, has been covered. That is freedom. Ultimate freedom. Ultimate blessedness is what? Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose iniquity is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute any sin and in whose spirit therefore is no guide. That he doesn't have to pretend before God. He doesn't have to perform before God. That is a person who is truly blessed. What can you give to God? That is the reason why he says sacrifices and burnt offerings. You did not desire that, Lord. Burnt offerings and sacrifices, if they can buy salvation, that was only a parable. It was only a parable, a type of Jesus Christ that a sinless man should take the place, your place, so that the redemption, which is absolutely so costly, so expensive, so infinitely expensive, could be paid by one man on the cross. And that was the man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, it says, there is one God, There is one mediator between God and man. The who? The man Christ Jesus. Great is the mystery of godliness. 1 Timothy 2.15 and 1 Timothy 3.16. For there is one man. You can put that. Hmm. 2.15. 1 Timothy. Nevertheless. Sorry. Uh, 2.15? 2.5 or sorry. Just excuse me please. 1 Timothy. 2.5, 2.5, right? 2.5? Yeah, sorry, 2.5, not 2.15. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He has to be God and he has to be man. You know, I, I, I remember one man of God uh, uh, making a, giving a very simple example. He says, let's say, that, that, let's say there was a uh, some kind of a war between uh, China and India. Okay. And uh, now they want to come across the table and reconcile. How will they reconcile? There should be one man who should be both Chinese and Indian at the same time. So that he can speak to the Chinese in their language and speak to the Indian in their language. And there was only one man who also has to be God so that he can reconcile man to God and bring God to man. Turn with me to First Peter. Chapter 4. Please, First Peter chapter 4. What a verse it is. Uh, yeah. Sorry, one second. Yeah, it's chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. Verse 17 and 18. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that had, that he might bring us to God. That's exactly that he has to be a man so that he can take God to man, putting by putting being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Okay, so that's what he did. The man Christ Jesus is impossible otherwise. What can you pay to God? Can you pay? Oh, have patience with me. I'll I'll pay it all. Impossible man. But you know what this guy does? Go to now Matthew chapter 18. Verse, 30, uh, verse 29 now. 28, 29. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay, pay you all. And he would not, but he would, that he, but he went, but went and threw him into the prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw what had been done, 
they were so, so very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you, what servant? Wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you had begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And then, and his master was angry and delivered him to the uh, taskmasters, the torturers, the exactors, until he should pay all that was due him. So, my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from your heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. See, what the, what physically the children of Israel were going through is symbolically a spirit of the taskmaster which is there in, inside each one of our hearts. Yeah. Quit being a taskmaster. Ask God, Lord, Enable me to extend forgiveness. I know it's not easy. For sure. Especially when you were right and the other person was wrong. Right? When you were right and the other person was wrong. It is an impossible. Sometimes it's a traumatic, traumatic experience for most of us. To forgive people. That is the reason why when Jesus says, Son, your sins are forgiven. They all look at him. And says, who can forgive sins? And then he says, which is easy? To ask him to pick up his mat and walk or to forgive his sins? Answer? To ask him to pick up his mat and walk is easy. To forgive sins, I have to overlook all the faults that he has done against me. You think it's easy? Absolutely not. Do you think it was easy for Almighty God to overlook all the faults of his people? Not easy. Not easy. And that is the reason why that Jesus at the when Jesus finally says, uh, Jesus finally says, you know what he says? Father, if it's possible for you, please take away this cup from me. But did he not drink it? When Peter took the sword, did he not say? If I would have asked my father, will he not send a legion of angels? One angel slaughtered 180,000 people in one night. One angel. Think about a legion. One angel, when Hezekiah put it before the Lord, slaughtered 180,000. A legion of angels, forget it. You don't stand a chance. Should I not drink the cup that my father asked me to drink? And you know what, Peter? (laughs) I'm drinking it for you. And by the way, none of them believed that he would rise from the dead. None of them believed. Why? Because they thought, what you know what they thought? They thought that this righteous man should not die. But if they would not die and rise from the dead, do they have hope? None of us have hope. You know what it tells me? Saving faith is an impossible faith. <laughs> God has to grant people repentance. That's the reason why. And the moment we experience repentance, you know what? First thing what we have to do is say, Lord, I forgive from my heart people sinned against me. Ask God every day. It's not easy. It's not that we will trust people easily. No. Trust has to be earned for sure. But do we have anything against people? No. So, you know how God 
makes us into his bond servants? By releasing us from the spirit of the taskmaster. When we truly experience forgiveness, you know what we do? He said, Lord, I love you, Lord. Turn with me now to Deuteronomy chapter 15. Look at this. It's beautiful. Again, it's talking about the year of, of Jubilee. Okay, Verse 12 onwards. If your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and serves you for six years, and in the seventh year, you shall let him go free from you. And when you send him away, free from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed. What shall you do? Supply liberally. From your threshing floor. From your wine press. From what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give him. Why? Oh, look at this. Because you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command. Why do we extend forgiveness to people? Because we are recipients of God's mercy. Because he dealt first with the taskmaster spirit in each one of us. Let therefore that taskmaster spirit doesn't not come back again into our lives. Remember, therefore I command you this day, this thing today. What should I do? Verse 16. And if it happens, that he says to you. If it happens, you release him. That's what God does. You know what he did? 6,000 years. Okay, seven years, seventh year is, I mean, uh, six, six, six years is a, is, uh, is a number of man. All the works that you did, six days, now six years is a number of man. All the works you tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to please God, he was not pleased. Okay, seventh day he said, you know what, forgiven Baba. All your debts are forgiven. And I will bless you liberally also. I will take your sin, I will give you righteousness. I will take your curse, I will give you Blessing. I will take your poverty. I will give you riches of grace. Now what will you do? Thank you. Ta-da. No, 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 no. You know what he will say? Lord, I will not go away from you. Because I love you. I love your house. Since he prospers with you. Not he is prospering because of me. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? Then you shall take an all, thrust it to his ear and the door and he shall be your servant forever. That's exactly how he made us into his servants forever. You see, what a master we have. A master who freed us from our sin. And he made us into willing bond servants. And that is exactly the picture Paul has in Romans chapter 6. Look at what he says. Romans chapter 6. Verse 17 and 18 and verse 19 onwards. Verse 17 and 18. But God be thanked that though you were what? Slaves of sin you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you have been delivered to. And having been set free from sin you became slaves of righteousness. And verse 19. Look at what he says. I speak in human terms. What are the human terms? Master, slave. Because of the weakness of your flesh. I am just using this as an expression. But you know this master? Hare, this master said you can go re. I freed you. I have given you everything liberally. Now you can go. That's exactly what he does with Isaiah also, right? What does he say? 
Behold, your iniquity has been purged, your sin has been atoned for, atoned for. And then he says, who will go for us? He doesn't say, Isaiah, now that I have freed you, come on, you better go for me, okay? No. No, 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 no. Who will go for us? Then he says, Lord, no, 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 no. Thank you, Lord, thank you. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I'm here. Go back to that, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. Uh, verse 7, verse 7, yeah. Okay, yeah, let's read from verse 7. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew from flew to me. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sure Isaiah would have got a shock of his life seeing the seraphim, okay. You think seraphims are normal beings. Coming with the coal in its tongue, from the altar and rushing toward you with what what kind of a speed? Electromagnetic radiation speed? I don't know. Speed of light? <laughs> you would have said, gone. I'm gone now. And you know what he did? Which he took from the tongues on the altar. And then he said, you know what? Verse 7. And he touched my mouth with it. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity has been taken away and your sin is purged. And we looked at that. The blood and the fire purge us. Also, I heard a voice from the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Whom shall go? Who will go for us? Then I said, Heneni, Lord. Heneni. Send me. But you know what God says? What's next verse? Look at what it says. And he said, Go and tell this people. Keep on hearing. But do not understand. Keep on seeing. But do not perceive. Make the heart of these people dull, ears heavy, shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Lord, what, in other words, I will not be seeing any success in my ministry? That when I go and preach, preach the gospel to others, nobody is going to listen to me? On, on the contrary, even as I am preaching the gospel, their hearts will become harder, the ears will become duller, dull and their eyes will become blind. What are you talking about? That I am not going to see any success in my ministry. You know what? I will still be able to continue in the ministry. You know why? Because I know that I have received more mercy. I am his servant now. I am his bond servant. I am not looking for success in this world anymore. And look at what he says. <laughs> and he says. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste, without inhabitant, houses are without man, land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away and forsaken places, uh, forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. But yet a tenth will be saved. That's okay. But you know what? We are focusing on Isaiah here. He what, what does he become? He becomes a willing bond servant of Jesus Christ. That is exactly the reason why. You know how Paul introduces himself? Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. That is only incidental. Okay, that is only incidental. But I am, what am I? I am a bond servant. Romans chapter 1 verse 1, in fact. Romans chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated for the gospel of God. You know why? You know why? Because first, first, Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, etc., etc. That is the reason why, you know what he says? I am obligated. I am indebted to the what? To the Jews, uh, sorry, to the Greeks and non-Greeks, to the wise and to the barbarians also. 
barbarians, Paul? People who are willing to slaughter, will, will slaughter you? Absolutely. I am under obligation. You know why? Because I received mercy. That is the reason why he says in Romans chapter 13, Oh, no man, anything, except the law, except the what? The debt of love. Because that debt of love we can never, ever, ever repay. That is how bond servants are made. You know how bond servants are made? Because they have been rid of the what spirit? Or the taskmaster spirit. It's a three day journey my dear brothers. From labor to rest. A three day journey from the spirit of the taskmaster to the spirit of freedom. From sin to enjoy the forgiveness of God. Will you take that journey? Or will you stop? You know what they say? Stop this please. We are your servants they say. Turn to Exodus chapter 5. Verse 15. Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh saying, why are you dealing thus with uh, your servants? My goodness. You see? Dangerous. This morning, you know, I would really encourage you to ask God, Lord, rid us of that, that evil spirit of the taskmaster. Rid us of the, of the spirit of Shimei. You know the spirit of Shimei, right? First Kings chapter 2 verse 36. Then the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, build yourself a house in Jerusalem and dwell there and do not go there from there anywhere. Stay in Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem. For it shall be on the day you go out and cross the brook of Kidron. Who crossed the brook of Kidron? David crossed the brook of Kidron, right? And when he was crossing the brook of Kidron, what was Shimei doing? He was putting curses on him. John's Gospel chapter 18. In verse 1 onwards. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. What did he do? He also passed the brook of Kidron. Why did he do it? He was taking our curses upon him. For it shall be on that day, verse 37 of 1 Kings chapter 2. Onwards. For it shall be on the day you go out and cross the brook Kidron. Know for certain you shall surely die. <laughs> your blood be upon your own head. And Shimei said to the Lord, to the king. It's exactly what he, did, what, he, what he said. The king is, the saying of the king is, Good as my Lord the king has said, so your servant will be 
will do so. Shimei dwelt in Jerusalem many days. But did he deal with the spirit of the taskmaster? I don't think so. How do we know? Six years ko chodre. Three years ke liye hi uska ho gaya. The year of Jubilee is coming. I will hold my sounds together. Something like that happened here. Now it shall happen at the end of three years. Remember three years, right? Three years God comes looking for fruit. That's, a, that's exactly what happened here. At the end of three years, two slaves of Shimea ran away to Akish, the son of Makkah, the king of Gath. And they told Shimea, look, your slaves are gone to Gath. So Shimea rose, saddled his donkey, went to Akish at Gath to seek his slaves. And Shimea went and brought his slaves from Gath. He didn't buy them, he brought them. So he did a lot of things to them. And Solomon was told that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had come back. Did I not warn you? He said, know for certain that on the day that you go out and travel anywhere that you shall surely die. And you said to me, the word that I heard is good. What happened? Why then have you not kept the commandment and you know what will happen to Shimei? The spirit of Shimei has to be dealt with. Turn with me to Philemon. You know this very well. We'll look at it again. Chapter 1. Sorry, yeah, there's only one chapter, of course. And verse 8 onwards. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you, what is fitting? Look at Paul, okay? I can command you what is fitting. Yet for love's sake, <laughs> I rather appeal to you. Being such as one as Paul... Oh, he's an old man, okay, the aged. And now a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for what? My son Onesimus, whom have I have begotten while in my chains. I mean, this is a remarkable man, okay. You are chained to Paul, you will become a believer. I don't know, it's remarkable. Onesimus was running away from his master, got arrested and put in prison. Thank God. Who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. And then you know what he says? I am sending him back. You therefore receive him that is, wow, my own heart. Whom I wish to keep with me. That on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But you know what he did? I know that he is not my servant. He is your servant. But without your consent I want to do nothing. Boy, this is, this is, this is, this is truly a man of God. That your deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntarily, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. And then he says, look at verse, verse next, verse 16, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord, if then you count me as a partner, receive me, receive him as you would me. And of course, if he has anything, owes you anything, put it to my charge. That's all okay. This is what we call as a person who's really, really experienced the love of God. The moment we experience the love of God, you know what happens? Automatically from our heart, we begin to extend forgiveness. So now let's turn to Exodus chapter 5. Back to Exodus chapter 5. Verse 15. The officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? Hmm. 
There is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, make brick. And indeed your servants are beat, beaten. But the fault is in your own people. <laughs> Next verse 17. But he said, you are idle, idle. Therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work, for no straw shall be given you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. This is unreasonableness, isn't it? So this world system is given over to economy is most important. And what is important to the world? Economy. They will do anything. They will, there's a company called 24 by 7. You know that? <laughs> that means you work 24 by 7. That's the world system. How, I, I, I want, there's only one work I believe, um, which, uh, which, <clears throat> your work in God is 24 by 7. Work outside God is torture. Okay. Yeah, don't, don't misunderstand me. We have to redeem our work. Uh, if you, if you turn with me to uh, John's Gospel chapter 5, we know this very well, but I'll show you this work. This pers- this particular verse, and then <clears throat> we'll see the next verse. <clears throat> John's Gospel chapter 5. <clears throat> we need to have a right attitude to our work. We should, our work has to be redeemed. Let us go to John's Gospel chapter 5 and verse, oh sorry, I'm looking at Luke's, Luke's Gospel. John 5 and verse. <clears throat> uh, verse, uh, Is that verse? Sorry. 17? Yeah. Yeah, 17. 16 and 17, okay? 16 and 17. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on a Sabbath. Then Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now and I have been working. See, entering into rest does not mean you stop working. Entering into rest does not mean that you work only six days a week and seventh day you don't have to work. Okay, Strictly speaking. Meaning, like for example, uh, I'm in the full-time ministry, okay, but I work almost every day. Meaning, my mind is always at work. In the sense that I'm constantly thinking about scriptures or thinking about preparation. So many things I'm doing all the time. 24 by 7 is it's going on in my mind. What is rest does not mean that you stop working. Okay. It's an attitude. Okay. What is it? It's an attitude where you are no longer, you're, you're saying, Lord, I am not dependent upon my work for my sustenance. Who's my sustenance? You are my sustenance. That is what we call as entering into God's rest. So when you are actually, you know, working for six days and entering, I mean, taking the seventh day as a day of rest, 
What are you telling them? Turn with me. Now, Exodus chapter 20. Two places I'm going to show you. Exodus chapter 20 and verse Exodus chapter 20 and verse um, where is, uh, is verse number 9. So, 8 and 9. 8 onwards. Okay. And Deuteronomy chapter 5. Oh, sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 5. Okay. After that, you will go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. First, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. And then, seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. You shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. What does it mean? Seventh day, he created, I mean, six days he created everything, including man. Including man. Man was also created on the sixth day. And the seventh day was the day of rest. That means man enters first into God's rest and then he starts working. God, God did not uh, create man not to work. Work was ordained by God. We know this very well. Even before the fall. So God put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And by the way, those two words also come from the Hebrew word abad, which also means to worship. Okay, to tend it, to work. It's all, it's the, it's the Hebrew word which, which has a connotation of worship. So, we are not, and we are not working for promotion. Okay, we are not promotion meaning to be accepted by God. We have already been accepted and therefore we work. Okay, now turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Okay, very important, very simple. Chapter 5 and verse uh, number 12 onwards. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now this is this is interesting, right? Exodus chapter 20, 20 he's talking about the people who just came out of uh, Egypt. Uh, and now he's reiterating the Ten Commandments, okay? Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, he, 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 a very interesting detail is is, is uh, included over here. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. And then, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter, etc., etc. He adds all these details over here. And then, you know, verse 15, why? Verse 15. And remember... What, what were you? That you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand, from an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you, what? To keep the Sabbath day. Why did he command? What are we doing? We are acknowledging that we don't have to work to attain God's approval anymore. That's what it means to enter into God's rest. What is the spirit of the age? Spirit of Pharaoh? So that is the reason why we are saying, okay, take six days, seventh day, what are you doing? We are, not, it, it, it does not mean that we are not working. We are also working on the seventh day from our work and we, we have to spend time in the presence of God. That is also work. In fact, do you think it's easier to spend time in the presence of the Lord or to easier to go and do your work? I believe for us, it is more easy to go to the lab and do research Sam is putting his head like that. Which is true. 
and more easy to go to the lab and do research on a Sabbath day because if my boss has given an opportunity, I know my boss, no? When his wife is not in town, finished, the lab is his home. <laughs> Literally, I'm telling you honestly, this is how it is. It is easier for us to go and do work, but it's very difficult to sit in the presence of the Lord and meditate out in the scriptures. Okay. And in fact, if you meditate on the scriptures and try to find the presence of the Lord and try to, uh, you know, uh, meditate and pray and seek God in the scripture, it is not an easy job. You have to labor. That is the reason why you have to labor to enter into the rest. That is labor for us. And what does the world call us when you're, when you're doing that? You're being idle, idle, idle. No, you're not being idle. In fact, you're being more busy. In fact, it says the priest, he works more on the Sabbath day and yet he has not, what? Broken the Sabbath. You know that? And what are we? Priests. You don't realize that. So every time the way we redeem our work is that if you are let's say a software engineer or whatever engineer you are you know what we do? We go to the presence of the Lord and say Lord my sustenance is not from my work. My sustenance is from you. Okay, And therefore I labor on Sunday to spend time in your presence, which is even more difficult than spending time in the lab. Right? If you work on a Sunday, will you not get OT? Oh, yeah, of course. But that is not important to me. So that is the reason why the Israelites were even asked something more. You know what they did? For six years, you work, right? Seventh year, take off. You know, the only people who are given that privilege is in academia. Sabbatical year. You will never find like that anywhere else. Six years, the professor works. Seventh year, the the university will say, take a sabbatical. Now, you know what he is doing on sabbatical year? He is not working for the university anymore. But you know what he is doing in the sabbatical year? He is doing so many other things to upgrade his skills. In his research. I know that, no? So, what God says is that six, six, six years you work, seventh year you know do one thing, spend time in my presence. In that way, you are going to be a testimony to all around the other nations. You know what? This country, their sustenance is not from their work. Their sustenance is from God. And what does the world say? Idol, idol, idol. What are you doing? Idol, idol, idol. That's a spirit of Pharaoh. You're disturbing the economy. <laughs> economy is not important for us. Okay. Our economy is not from this world. Our economy is from God. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? Or will we succumb like the Israelites saying, we are your servants. Let's go back now. Exodus chapter 5. And verse 19. Onwards. 
the officers and the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron and stood there to meet them. <laughs> starts. Now their complaint starts. Okay. What did they meet? Okay. Next verse. Verse 21. And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. You know, that's exactly what the people of the world are. They are more worried about how they are in the sight of Pharaoh, how they are in the sight of his servants, how they are in the sight of all the people in the world, but they are never interested in how they are in the sight of God. You see, all these lessons are so important. So, you know what ultimate rest is? What matters is how I am in the sight of God. That is ultimate rest. It's all there. That is the reason why in John's Gospel chapter 5 verses 40 and 41, 40 onwards, we can read it. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men. And then look at look at the next verse. But I know that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. And then verse 44. How can you believe? You who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. So that is, see, the ultimate thing for all of us, we looked at it in so many, so many, so many different, different contexts. But let me tell you something. The ultimate person who is in ultimate rest, you know where he is? The ultimate rest is when you have clearly come to the point where you don't have to perform anymore. Okay. That is ultimate rest. Otherwise, you are seeking to please <laughs> Pharaoh. And his servants. Okay. Let me tell you something. The people in the world. <laughs> they are under Pharaoh. And they are his servants. Why do you think your manager is always. Under pressure. Because he is under pressure from his manager. Why do you think that he is under. Why do you think. Uh, uh, his manager is, is pressurizing him. Because he is under pressure under his manager. Okay. Process associate, associate is under pressure from his team leader. Team leader is under pressure from his manager. And manager is pressure under senior manager. Senior manager is under pressure from AVP. AVP pressure from vice president. Vice president pressure from CEO. CEO is pressure from investors. Investors pressure from economy. Ultimately, everybody is serving That is the reason why pressure comes. You see? That is how the entire world system is. See, you to everybody is a slave to money. Mammon. So do not think that, okay, how can you believe therefore? You who receive honor from one another. And do not seek the honor. That comes from what? The only God. It's not God only. 
The only God. You know, we all talk about justification by faith alone, justification by faith alone, justification by faith alone. What is justification by faith alone, Baba? Justification by faith alone means, I am not seeking to get honor from anybody else except from God. What other people think about me is not important, but what God thinks about me is important. That is what we call as entering into God's rest. Therefore, let us labor to enter into God's rest so that we can cease from our own works. And we, now that's the reason why it says we are saved by grace through faith. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. It's not that we don't work, but we work from rest. Okay. So let us see, finally, verses 19 to 22. Okay. Sorry, 20, 20 onwards here. Yeah. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them and verse 21. And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. And the next verse, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you have not, that you have sent me? Now, this man is beginning to doubt his call, but it's okay, no problem. We'll, we know the story, but let us see. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to his people, neither have you delivered your people at all. Stop today. Things are going to get first worse before they're going to get better for them. But in the sight of it all, will you lose your faith? Is a question. Okay. Like I like Pastor keeps telling us, no? Do you think things are gonna get better? No, 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 no. After this is over, something worse will come. So before things are going to really, really ultimately we'll enter into rest on the other side. Things are gonna get worse. Before they get better. That's exactly what we learned from Exodus chapter 5. So this morning, I want, I'm going to stop here today. I want to encourage all of us. One thing the Lord hates. You know what that spirit is that he hates? The spirit of the taskmaster. Okay. If you do not forgive your brother, he will not forgive you. And you know what the disciples say? Increase our faith. <laughs> seven times is okay. Seventy times seven. No. Increase our faith. May the Lord increase our faith this morning. Can we all stand up? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. We worship you, Father. You're a good God. You taught us so many lessons. Lord, a three-day journey from labor to rest. And this morning, to rest in you. A three-day journey, O oh Lord. That your son took on the cross into the grave. Defeated every power of darkness. Defeated the power of sin. Defeated death. For it was impossible for death to take hold of him.
And Lord, once he rose from the dead. You said, Lord, when we have gone into the waters of baptism, we have also been raised up with him. That we should walk in the newness of life. That Lord, when Christ Jesus rose from the dead, he is now far above every principality and power. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And that all of us are seated together with him. And therefore, Lord, enable us to change our vision. Enable us to enter into God's rest. Enable us to walk with you. And to seek to please you and you alone. Father, it is not important what Pharaoh thinks about us. What his servants think about us. There is only one God and only his opinion matters. Father, enable us to understand what it means to enter into that rest. Even more, even as we study your scriptures every day. Enable us to quit trying to please you in our own strength. The world will call us idle, idle, but we know, Lord, it is not easy to spend time with you. We truly, indeed, have to labor to enter into that rest. Oh, Jesus, this morning I commit every one of us into your hands, O oh Lord. Those of them who are still struggling to earn their salvation, let them quit from their labor. Quit from their labor, O oh Lord. And let them enter into that rest. O oh Lord, for you said, Lord, it is not by works, lest any man should boast. It is all by your grace. Oh, Father, I pray, Father, for everyone who is still struggling to please you in their own strength, trying to earn their salvation in their own strength. If this is the gospel, O Lord, that every day of our lives, we cease from our works and we begin from rest. Oh, Jesus, help us, help us to apprehend the spiritual truth, to appropriate it in our lives and enable us to walk in your ways. To that end, I pray that you will bless all of us, commit all of us into your hands, plead the blood of Jesus over our lives, continue to minister to us, continue to speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.